Ooh, you did get a haircut. I feel like they just kind of get gayer and gayer and I really am into it. Yeah. This is like really like it's, it's the dyke mullet. Yeah. For real. Yeah. It's good. The undercut shave side fade situation. Yeah. It's pretty great. So there's that. (laughs) Fun. Yeah. It's good. Hi, Erin. Hi. Hi, honey. I mean, hi JT. Um, Oh my God, should we do it the right way this time? Who are you? Hi, I'm Jake <laughs> Newman and I am a dyke about town here in Chicago. Um, I used to run a burlesque troupe of which Erin, I'm sorry, Honey LaFleur was a part. And for some reason I want to use her, her birth name and not her stage name <laughs> today. Um, and I am just raising all the money and cooking all the foods. Um, you can follow me at House of Snack Shy. And JT Noom on Instagram. And who are you, Honey LaFleur? Uh, I'm Honey LaFleur, uh, gal about town in Portland. No, I mean, not really. I am, do you, I, oh, I can't remember if you had, someone came up with my tagline here in Portland was the girl with the sweetest nectar. And then oh, I added, that was, was you, that you? You know, you made it up in Chicago. Did. You did. Oh my God, you're right. I did. There you was a different one. Girl with the sweetest nectar. And I was like, yes, yeah, of course you are. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So there's that side, <laughs> you know, there's that. Uh, I am also a uh, sort of lifelong teacher. I don't know. Um, but I, <laughs> I have my own coaching business as a movement practitioner and empowerment coach. So for uh, queer bodies looking to heal their relationship with their body, um, you know, I think having a, a healthy relationship with your body is a super radical act of political defiance. So, and love, and love, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. feel like that pretty much encapsulates the whole pod. We're about political empowerment and love, mm-hmm. well, and trashy pop culture. Yes, always. Because here's the thing, pop culture is like time-based art, I feel like. Oh my God, it so is. Yeah. That leads us right into the topic too. Okay, I have, <laughs> I have, I have all the thoughts. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about You Don't Know Me, which, was, um, which is a documentary that's on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you have to buy it to rent it or to, you have to rent it to rent it. You have yeah. to rent it to watch it having so many problems so you know we all know we get it you have to pay two three dollars to put it on your screen yeah and um it is a documentary about the movie showgirls and so it traces the history of the movie showgirls how it came to be um about the filmmaker and producer um and then also its rise as a cult classic which happened uh yeah over the time of its existence, which is very interesting to me. So I want to start with, um, is it Joe Westerhouse? Because he did Basic Instinct. Yes. And when I was a young lesbian, that was like, everybody was pissed at that movie. Okay, yeah. Can you tell me about that? Because I honestly, I think I checked out a little bit at a certain point of the movie um, and like wasn't paying the most attention because I had a lot of feelings and I was like writing things down. But I missed that. I was like, wait, what? But I also have never seen Basic Instinct. So Basic Instinct, Basic Plot is there. I think that it's like a woman is accused of murder, but she's bisexual and the bisexuality is presented in this like really titillating male gaze kind of way. Okay. And, you know, it's the famous scene where Sharon Stone is like um, crossing her legs and you can see her crotch because she's not wearing underwear. And, um, yeah it's like soup like it was super titillating at the time like people were all talking about that and people were up in arms because it depicted bisexuals as killers which is like how we've 
been depicted in film for like, you know, the entirety of the moving image. Basically. Yeah. So that was the deal. And I mean, they were both really femme and they're both really blonde and both really sexy and skinny and, you know, all the things. So that was the, that was the setup. And then the next film that he made was um, uh, Showgirls, which is, uh, was, is um, a movie about a young woman becoming a part of a, of a topless show in Las Vegas. That's yep. that up. Yeah. Um, tell me about what you thought. Have you seen Showgirls all the way I through? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, I have. And, and tell me about the context, how you watch Showgirls. Oh my God. It's the best. So uh, earlier in the quarantine, um, when I was fine, like right as I had started feeling better and like things were happening with the pandemic, um, I was like, we are going somewhere. Ferris, you and I are going to go somewhere and we're going to go to Palm Springs and we're going to do it. And I, uh, you know, it was a little like white lady colonizer energy where I was just like, I don't even care, but I haven't been able to go on any kind of vacation more than like mile, like, you know, to the coast of Oregon, which is like, a, it's like a two hour drive, but mm-hmm. I haven't been able to really even do that for, so, for like years because I'm just so uncomfortable. Like we're fucking going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to Palm Springs and then also Joshua Tree. So we stayed and a friend of ours from LA uh, joined us and we were responsible about that one. Um, but we all, so we all hung out together and it was really great. She's a, like a dear friend of Ferris's and, and now also a very dear friend of mine, um, but they used to work together mm-hmm. at Wine and Kennedy. And then, uh, and so, and now she does freelance uh, producer work in LA and we found in this, it was an amazing Airbnb that we stayed in and we found a copy of the movie Showgirls. And we were like, I think we have to watch it. And our friend Lauren actually like loves it. Like, I guess like, it's an experience. You have to watch it. Also, I'm so excited to see your reaction. Like Lauren is very, so the other, there's like a little bit of history with that too. So Lauren also, and her husband are like big film junkies, Mm -hmm. right? They both work on in film and, and TV and stuff. And they they have a thing for David Lynch, much like every fucking film student ever. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, in my, you know, feminism, hate David Lynch. I think it's utterly disgusting. I watched, what's the one with Nicolas Cage and the blonde girl? Uh, wild, heart, wild Heart? Oh, uh, Wild at Heart. Yes, Wild at Heart uh super terrifying the rape scene really fucked me up um like as a sexual assault survivor there are sometimes like there are some scenes of sexual assault that I like for whatever reason can handle and then other times they just hit me in my trauma and so and that one did uh showgirls absolutely reminded me (laughs) and like the fact that Lauren was so excited I was like what is about to happen in this movie like like I, and you know, like I have heard everything about it. I knew it was cheesy. I knew there was a lot of like gratuitous, like tits, ass, vagina. Like I knew that all that was in there. Um, and of course, like Jesse Spano, obviously who doesn't love Jesse Spano. <laughs> so I was pretty stoked. Uh, and I was, I was kind of fine with what it was just because it was so ridiculous up until that, like, it just took such a like pornographic, like, like gratuitous violence for (laughs) for no reason it's like yeah yeah, and it's and you know there I think there are moments where it's fine to say like you haven't set your audience up for this like really hard left turn that it's about to take and whatever but but it's like it, it just like wasn't smart it was just like cis mediocre white dude creating this shitty movie right for for me um and I think that there are things there for sure but I also feel like this guy just kind of I don't know got lucky with basic instinct that it was a hit so he was a they were both big filmmakers beforehand so okay. uh, Joe Esterhaus I just looked him up on Wikipedia because I was like I know he's done more than just these two, two films. He did um, like RoboCop too, right? Yeah, he did RoboCop. Um, he wrote the screenplay for Flashdance. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. So 
And then Paul Verhoeven, who is the other person, I think he's the producer. He's the director. He's the director. Okay, so Astor House produced it. Yeah. Verhoeven wrote it. And that was the team that came up with Basic Instinct. Mm. Uh, and so they each had pre, pre their movies together had big careers. Um, what's his name? Verhoeven was a, um, was a um, person who was a filmmaker in um, wherever he's from. Where is he from? Hungary? Hungary? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, and was doing these like really wacky, like crime, crime ridden kind of um, edgy movies in Hungary and then got shipped to the US and did Robocop and it was a humongous hit. Yeah. So these two together. Yeah. So what did you think of the doc though, then? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I didn't love the doc either. Um, it, actually, that's not fair. Well, here's my thing. I feel like whoever made the doc, I didn't fully pay attention to who did it, but whoever made it, I think had a very, I think it was a very biased uh, documentary, which I think is like, not uncommon and I think we all like recognize that like we're people right like you can't really do non-biased things mm -hmm. um and I think the whole concept of documentary is interesting I think that uh I think that there is always some kind of bias in every like I've never seen a documentary without some something like that and so like I think the like definition of documentary is like weird and off and like it's it's very like you keep using this word and it doesn't mean what you think it means Mm -hmm. rather than rather than I think that just like every documentary maker is trash like I don't think that but I I just think that it's the definition well, they're, they're opinion pieces they're not exactly that's you, the thing is I it's like a documentary is just documenting something because it's yeah. in the name right yeah. yeah yes and like that is just like you know I don't I just don't think that's possible ever mm -hmm. but whatever um anyway uh I do think, so I think it, that it was very biased in the fact that like, it's a cult classic and sure it's fucked up and weird, but like, let's just all have fun with it. Yeah, so I had the total different perception of it. Like okay. I saw it in the nineties and I was excited because it was so trashy um, and I loved yeah. it. <laughs> and I do, fantastic. Um, yeah. But it was like a fantastic campy retread of um, All About Eve. So, you know, like All About Eve is like the classic gay drama of, of the younger woman coming in and overthrowing the, the you know, the diva. Yeah. Uh, and it updated it in like such a trashy, crazy way. I loved the character of Nomi because she was just 100%, 180% all the time. Yeah. Like her reactions were extreme. She was very, very much like a campy um John Waters character almost to yes. me and so for me when it came out in 91 or whenever it came out I was like really into it mm. and I thought it was fantastic and so like I love the documentary tracing it's like sort of path from this is bullshit to <laughs> camp phenomenon yeah yeah for me but like I'm somebody who loves like early John Waters movies and I'm somebody who loves Russ Meyer movies and I love you know like and I I overlook what is problematic about them mm -hmm. for the camp value yeah and I, I think that might be generational um I think maybe I do think that there that I make certain allowances for certain films too um and I think that usually it comes down to the fact that like, if it was made by a dude, I'm like, no, yeah, I just don't have it for you. And cause like, I, yeah. Cause I, and like, I see some of the like fun in, I haven't seen a ton of John Waters films, but like I do just like having watched Hairspray, that's really the one that like, like if I've seen another John Waters film, I don't remember it, but Hairspray is one that I definitely remember. The thing about Hairspray though, is that it's his first mainstream movie. Like before that he was much more um, edgy and much grotesque, more right? grotesque and yeah, really into like, like pushing the envelope as far as possible. Yeah. And like, 
I do really appreciate grotesque. I think that it's, I think there's something about it that really gets me in a way that like, I haven't, I, I like the more I think about it and talk about it, the more I would love to kind of like explore that within myself and like figure out what it is. But like, you know, in college, I had a friend that was like, I would love to do a piece with someone throwing up on stage. And I was like, oh my God, yes, do it. Like it, it, the conversation was bigger than that, but that's essentially yeah. like what I remember where, and we were both kind of like, yeah, grotesque shit is like really, really cool. But also I know that when I see stuff like that, like I have a very visceral reaction that is really like, uh, like a very clutching of the pearls. <laughs> but maybe that's the visceral reaction that the creator is intending. For sure. For sure. I agree. Um, but it also gets me in this like conservative side of myself that like, yeah, no, it, your face says it all. Yes. It's like this moment where I'm like, what was, what did my face say? <laughs> your face was like, wait, that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like a, a legitimate, I think a legitimate thing that if, if it were, if the reaction were to have words, it would probably be like my stars and garters that is inappropriate. Like, <laughs> You know, like if I'm being completely honest and it's like, it's like a part of, it's like a reaction in myself that I sometimes I'm like, why are you like this? That's so not mm-hmm. who you are, but I do. But anyway, that, be, that to say that, like, I think I've kind of avoided some of the John Waters stuff. Cause I'm like, I think I would react really bad to it and, and then miss out on some of the like greatness that's there. Well, yeah. I mean, and also it's all really bad acting it's all really bad scripts and it's like yeah. not it's not fabulous like yeah you know what I mean it's not there's no production value like mm. it's just, they were just trying to do it and yeah I think that is like what it's hard like when you're like 50 years past an art movement to look back at it and say you know like oh well I could do that like it's hard to like see what it is and what's groundbreaking about it with with all of the other coexistence of everything else from the last 50 years you know yeah and so to me like discovering those films in the 80s as it's as like a teen and as a, somebody in my young 20s like that was revolutionary to me but mm-hmm. now maybe not you know maybe I would just look yeah. at it and be like oh, this is bad filmmaking yeah you know? Yeah. And I, I, I do. Yeah. I think that like, you know, there's a lot to that. Right. But I think that there's also clearly something and, and just like with showgirls, like, um, and, and this makes me jump really far ahead in the documentary, but, um, uh, I think there's something that regardless of the grotesque, like the very guerrilla DIY kind of thing about it that like might, uh, overshadow like what was going on there were clearly moments where people connected like emotionally to the art mm-hmm. um or to the work and and even with showgirls that happened right like we we all talk about like this taste level and stuff like that and I think that's total bullshit they're like lowbrow highbrow like go fuck yourself it's it's all it's all art and quite frankly sometimes the some of the like some of the worst shit has some of the best like little nuggets or like value to it. Um, and, and I don't think showgirls is that, but <laughs> I think it has some pretty good cinematography. Uh, I would agree with that. And I would, I would totally agree with that. Production value. Yeah. That is beautiful. I do agree with you there. I think there are some good shots that I'm like, wow, if only they had like <laughs> thought about or consulted even Elizabeth Berkeley, like she, like, let's all be real. She was never a good actress, like never has been, never will be. Jesse Spano is the most ridiculous character ever. And like, you know, whatever, but it's, it's very clear that like men have always written her scripts yeah, and that they don't give anything for her to work off of. And she just like, I don't think is thoughtful enough or, or, or creative enough. I don't want to say good enough, but like, I just don't think she had the creativity to like do something for herself maybe um but I do feel like if you know these assholes had just thought (laughs) a little bit more about what makes Nomi tick it I I do think I I would have seen it as more than just like the very the beginning part of it is really cool and really wild and campy and ridiculous Mm -hmm. and then and then you know that party where Molly gets attacked is like from that point on it's like 
like, what are we doing here? Like you literally point of this film. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's wild. Cause it's like, you can still have tragedy happen like that. And it doesn't need to be that Mm -hmm. dramatic. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. It felt like trauma porn at the end to me. Mm. Fair. What do you think about all the people who are using it as a primary text? Like the people who wrote Showgirls the musical. Okay, so that's really interesting because clearly that the girl that played know me, found whatever nuggets I don't see, <laughs> right? Like she had an emotional attraction to it. And I think that like she said, you know, it can be very cathartic um, as a survivor. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that. I don't think it was at all, but I, I do think that I do actually think that there are ways to take back that story as like feminist folks, as performers. Um, I don't necessarily think Peaches Christ and and her band of, of queers like did it either. Um, and I think that some of that is the time that some of this was created. I don't think that a lot of us as artists, like I think I think in that time, right, they kind of talked about it, like a lot of that time was still kind of the like shock value. And like, oh, yeah, you know, because like, think about it, like, you know, that was like Howard Stern's time to shine and like, you know, all this other like weird stuff. And, um, and also like here in Portland, Ferris and I have recently watched a documentary about this old like drag troupe of like super dirty queer punks that problematic as fuck. But are very similar to like the Peaches Christ kind of shows that were happening. And I think that, uh, I think that for them, it was, it was something I like, yeah, I just think that if, for me, like if I was part of that and they were like, here, we're going to take back this script of showgirl Mm -hmm. and like create this cool, this cool thing that's more feminist, I would have said peace out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to the version that they to the version that they wrote because I I mean just the little that I saw of it and of both ones um I think that what they did was kind of glorify mm-hmm. it um yeah I, mean, I guess that gets a, a nut of like like talking about commodification of drag and talking about like commodification of burlesque and talking about like, oh, let's do this because it will be funny and people will buy it, you yeah. know? So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I sort of feel like the the drag show and the, and the musical were sort of just, yeah, like you said, just a commodification of glorifying of like mediocre white dudes creating something that wasn't good. <laughs> And it's so funny because as I was watching this, I was like having all of these feelings about it. And I was like, don't generalize because that's what I do. I'm very, like, I'm very, I can get very essentialist Mm -hmm. (laughs) about it and just be like, he's a fucking mediocre white man. But like, I try as I might, I cannot find a redeemable quality about either one of them. (laughs) And even as they showed, because also uh, they were showing like other films that both of them had done. Mm -hmm. Uh, before and after right like they showed a couple of the foreign films that came after and they're they're the same they're just really gross and the like the constant use of women throwing up yeah is is absolutely as also as a survivor of an eating disorder specifically like bulimia Mm -hmm. it is uh very insulting to me (laughs) um but how do you think about that using women throwing up and then you thinking about it as an undergraduate with let's put somebody throwing up on stage? Uh, so the person who wanted to do it was a woman. Okay. Who had also dealt with a lot of like body eating issues. Um, and and yeah, so it always kind of ties back to this idea that like it's a man kind of creating this persona of who a woman is and what like all of this stuff is. And I even heard somebody... Um, I think it was like a critic or someone being like, you know, uh, John gets a woman, like all of his women are powerful. And it's like, okay, but they're not like, they're not, 
Yeah. You know, it like, and to say that a dude like that gets women, it's like, no, they are always like stripped of any, literally any armor of their clothing. And then also their emotions. Like, like at the very end, Nomi goes like, Nomi gets, uh, completely, uh, dehumanized by, uh, Kyle McLaughlin's character. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, we're supposed to be stoked because she spits in his face and then goes and like beats the hell out of that. Yeah. Of, like Molly's, uh, assaulter, that like Fabio guy. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And that doesn't mean, you know, Nomi could be strong and have never done any of that revenge shit. Like you can still call a woman strong for that, but like, yeah, that's true. And the age old trope of women, you know, trying to usurp each other's power. That's so problematic. Yeah, that too. Um, that being said, I did really appreciate the sort of like discussion of the lunch that Nomi and um, Gina Gershon's character had um, in the fucking like, I've been to that mall. In oh, really? Like the weird, yeah, with the like sky above you. It's so trippy. Mm-hmm. I would never have a meal there ever because like, it's the weirdest thing in the world. It's like a mall with uh, no ceiling? No, it has a ceiling, but it's like a sky painted on the ceiling. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought yeah. they were right. No, no, it's like a That's sky so painted. Fun. So it's weird. It like feels weird. It doesn't look like sunshine, but you're also like, oh, I'm outside. Like it's, it freaked me out. I was like, <laughs> I could only handle being in that mall for so long because <laughs> they were like underground is where they I were. literally always thought it was outside. Mm-mm. My, my no. whole life. Um, but that lunch and where they like flipped the the way that they were like how Gina Gershon mm-hmm. was on the right side and then when they would flip Nomi would be on the left side and then it like flipped itself. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, but um, that's just camera trick. Yes, well, but I think what I pre- also to clarify what I also appreciated was that idea of them actually being on the same level, even though. Oh. Gina was like the star and Nomi Mm -hmm. was not like but that also has implications as like you mentioned of like women trying to usurp each other's power um sure sure but I did I did think that that was a cool like equalizer because especially with them also having talked about the like dog food (laughs) (laughs) yeah so good also is fucked up yeah very fucked up well, well, Aaron, <laughs> I guess we did it on that one. We, I feel like we did. What, so yeah, like, I'm curious. I'm curious to know what you think about the like musical and the drag show. I mean, I kind of love it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I was really into the campiness of it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and seeing the adaptations of it is fun to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm also someone who, had I not had a computer crash halfway through graduate school senior or final year, I would have done a queer production of Greece. So um, yeah, that's what I was working on was doing a queered, queered up version of the, of the musical Greece. So I'm, you know, like that's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like, I think it's cool. It's just, yeah, I think for me, it's just, I would have said like, let's write this a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And I always enjoyed the campiness of it. I I, I love production values. I love costuming. I love Mm -hmm. makeup. I love spectacle. And so, you know, to me, like, I love all about Eve and it's, it's like campy, tropey gayness of, of, you know, like the diva being taken down, like, I just love all that. So yeah. it's like, it plays right into my hands with, with its, yeah. Yeah. And then like, I really loved the talking about the over the top character of Nomi, like her just being like 190% and it being totally bizarre. And like that yeah. sort of absurdist, like Harold Pinter-esque, like kind of thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that also for me was a little, the more I think about it, um, you know, I definitely was like, wow, this Nomi is like way over the top, like what is happening? Um, it was kind of interesting to hear that like kind of multiple people had different versions of like what was going on. 
Mm-hmm. Where like Kyle McLaughlin was like, no, it was 100% supposed to be this kind of over the top drama. Uh-huh. And, then, and then like the director was like, was like, yeah, no, that like Elizabeth Berkeley, don't blame her for the like quote bad acting. Like I totally told her to go there. And then she had a, I can't remember what her version was, but it was like slightly different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, A of all, y'all should communicate. And like, and like also, also that just like shows how bad the director was at his job because like right. all of them yeah. walked away with a different idea. Um, right. And I think that Elizabeth Berkeley, I got the sense from the doc that she was very disappointed that it didn't make her a star. Oh yeah. 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 I, I agree. And that I think wasn't like her, like, you know, Christina Aguilera dirty album moment. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that she uh, also, I think that's another part of it too, for me, that is really disappointing. And I think, um, for me also like sours everything about it is that like it is always on her like she is the one that gets the questions about it like like you know they talk about how like Chelsea Handler kind of gave her shit about it and so did uh Jonathan Adler that designer Mm -hmm. and then like and then like someone else didn't want to interview like didn't want to go there with Kyle McLaughlin though and it's like Mm -hmm. fuck y'all like they all had a part in this also the director is the one that like right that sets it all up and and the producer yeah. yeah and and like the guy that wrote the book and was like you know I didn't want to the guy that wrote that book uh showgirls it didn't suck or something yeah I, I wanted I like had to just like look away during that part like I was just like I can't handle this guy and his like hero worship but I was also trying to pretend like he didn't hero worship in his book it's like fuck off you totally did mm-hmm. I don't even need to read the book like I know where you stand yeah completely um, yeah, I, I think that the the documentary is really interesting. I feel like a lot of people should watch it. Like if you have a strong opinion about Showgirls, I feel like it's something you should totally watch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think I would recommend the documentary. I would too. I and mean, even I, if you haven't watched Showgirls. Yeah, I mean, it was like a good hour and a half. Yeah. And it really contextualized the movie within its time. And then it contextualized this like, you know. Yeah. We animating of showgirls as a camp classic yeah excuse me sorry I know it was to me also it was interesting with the um when they kind of in the very beginning when they showed all the other movies that were going on and what else was going on in the world and how somehow showgirls just didn't click it's like I can sit here today after watching it like earlier in 2020 and say like yeah I get why that didn't take but also like I saw some of those other movies and I thought they were trash too. Or like, you know, like what were the other movies? I can't remember. What else came out? Disclosure. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, Disclosure. I think basic instinct was like right before that. So it wasn't, it was like still within that same kind of time frame. And there was something else too, that I was like, really that like 1991. Let me Google it. Yeah. 91 or 90. I thought it was 95, but maybe it wasn't. Let's see. Hold on. In 1995, you're right. Let's see, 1995 top movies. Oh, oh, to die for was right then. Oh yeah, that's another one. Yeah, kids. Um, Empire Records, Clueless. Oh, Clueless. Let me tell you, I love Clueless. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, to Wong Fu. Nice. Oh my God, Powder? Wait, also Casino. Yeah. You know why that one did well? Because it had a bunch of dudes. But you know what? It's a good movie. It is a a good (laughs) movie. Casino. It is a good movie. I mean, Uh, I regularly rewatch the Godfather trilogy and Casino. Oh my God, I love that. Like regularly. Like once every two years or something. I love that for you. I think that's amazing. Oh, I am who I am, man. Listen, I love it. Um, you know which movie I I like from this batch yeah. is? Hang on, where is it? I love Clueless. It's cute. Well, obviously, obviously. Um, but also Sandra Bullock's The Net. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's I just so good. watched that. It's so good. Also, To Die For was a big favorite of mine. Yeah, that was a really good movie. 
loved that movie. I love, I just love Nicole Kidman. And I think I should rewatch that one. I listen, when I saw that in there, I was like, that's on my list to watch. (laughs) I, um, yeah, I saw it in the theater and I haven't seen it since. I think I did too. (laughs) Wow, you were like nine. (laughs) Yeah, I was probably a little too young. Maybe I did watch it at home and not in the theater, but I could have sworn. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. Yeah, 95, I was a little young. But then. Oh no, I was eleven. But still. I mean still. But I definitely watched it. Mm-hmm. And really liked it. Of course you did. I know. <laughs> my listen, my homo my homoness was it was strong in this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh so what else is happening? It's snowing here in Chicago. Shut up. I'm so jealous. It's really cute. Look at how cute it is outside. Oh my God. It's so cute. Ugh. I've been feeling very nostalgic for Chicago lately and I don't know why. Ah, probably talking to me. <laughs> I think that's part of it. And yeah, I think maybe the, the weather too. I do miss sometimes the, the snow. I mean, it's cute looking. I haven't been outdoors today but it's cute yeah yeah I mean I will say it is nice that even right now in the winter like it's definitely one of the colder months of Portland and I'm, I've still been like outside in yeah, the mornings all like, the time like you're outside without a jacket so yeah and without pants sometimes usually mm-hmm. always yeah yeah I like last week doing my dance class outside that was amazing we're not doing that here, but I did go for a long walk by the lake yesterday. Oh, good. Good. Um, oh my God. Are you interested in talking about your dating life? Cause I want to know more. I don't really want to talk. Okay. About I'm, you know, I'm feeling a little like, cause I've had a, like a number of people that I've been dating say they listen to the pod and like, it just feels like, I don't know if I want to get people's business all out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. that's fair. Some of the people that I've been talking to are very specific and like yeah. if they would if they would hear about facts about them they would know who they were yeah you know? yeah 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 that's yeah. fair but the one that I was excited about is a no-go oh interesting okay <laughs> yeah yeah but the the one that um is that I went on a date with on Friday was very nice and we're going to talk tonight again so yeah yeah, so we'll see what happens. I'm feeling That's pretty so mad about the whole thing. Really? And yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know what it is. And, and now I'm talking about it all of a sudden. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the pandemic and not being able to do normal things and not being able to go on a date and like having it have been a year, you know, yeah. like it feels really like, oh, draggy. Like it's just dragging on and on. Yeah, I agree. I think the meh feeling is probably just about life in general right now. I'm super feeling that as well. And like the astrology isn't helping us out. It's not? (laughs) No, so like, okay. So the new moon that was in Capricorn on Wednesday of this past week, for some people, I don't know if it did it actually, I think it probably may have done it for you, but I'm not sure, but it, um, the sun and the moon kind of conjuncted with Pluto, Mm -hmm. which is like the planet of kind of death and destruction. Um, and it was sort of about like, you know, the, the message that was kind of in the air was more excavation. So it wasn't really like death and rebirth, which a lot of people really welcome and get excited about, but Mm -hmm. it was more about the excavating part, which is like really hard and just kind of like, yeah, uh, not even like a good, yeah. It, and it's, it's like not negative, but it's, it's hard. It's almost like spring cleaning, you know, it's not like you're just like letting go and picking a thing to kind of like figure out what to get rid of. It's like, just everything feels hard and stuck. Yeah. It's like, you're fully just kind of getting down in the mess. and like, you're in the mess for a little while. So yeah, that's been kind of hard for me too. As I like get my coaching stuff off the ground, it's like figuring out what I'm doing with it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. 
I mean, and then I also feel like the whole country is just going to shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I talked to my mom today and she was like, are you excited for Wednesday? And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And she goes, the inauguration. <laughs> and I think I've said it on the podcast before, but inauguration is typically a holiday in this household. Oh, um, nice. And the fact that I forgot about it is a little upsetting to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm also not super excited about about it um you can say his name on the podcast it's okay <laughs> oh 45 no 46 yeah I know Joe Biden is just not what I wanted and neither was Kamala Harris it's like I really want to be excited that a black woman is going to the White House in like an actual presidential seat yeah but whatever it's fine yeah it's not 45 so that yeah I mean it's not at least we won't be actively being damaged every day it's true that gaslighting that will end um is pretty significant I don't think it's going to completely go away but it's definitely going to be a significant downtick in that um which is cool yeah yeah I have been watching a lot of uh, Schitt's Creek reruns to oh, sort of like find that happy place, you know? Make yourself feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that show so much. I just subscribed to Peacock. Oh my God, me too. I cannot do without my office fix. You know what else is on there now too that I don't think that I think was like a silent sleeper um, is Parks and Rec. I've never watched it. Oh, <gasps> okay. You, so should, good? you should try it. It okay. is um, definitely a good one if you like The Office because it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, I really like it. I suspect that I would love it. I think you would love it. Yeah. I mean, Amy Poehler, you know, is not without her issues, but I find her better than Tina Fey. So. <laughs> I just, what came... On, I was scrolling Facebook earlier, of course, and like um, the Amy Schumer last fuckable day Ugh. came up. I know she's cringy, but like the last fuckable day sketch is really funny. Oh, okay. So, you know what? It, have you watched it? Mm-mm. It's um, Tina Fey, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus, mm. and Patricia Arquette. And they're all like in a clearing, like sitting with a giant picnic table in front of a lake. And Amy Schumer's like walking and she happens upon them. And they're like, what's up? And they're like, oh, we're celebrating Julia's last fuckable day. And so apparently they, they, have, they have discerned that there is a day at which actresses no longer are considered fuckable. Oh my God, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, that's funny. And Julia's like, yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it lasted like through my 40s and into my 50s. I mean, that's amazing. And then she was like, yeah, but now I just don't have to keep all this up anymore. It's great. That is pretty fun. Pretty great. It's a pretty good setup. Yeah. Um, a fun thing that Ferris and I have been doing is starting to watch uh, Veep. Oh, it's on good HBO. Show. Yeah, it's... um. It's interesting. We don't keep up on it very, like if we usually start a show and we like it, we'll like slowly start going through it kind of quickly. Um, like mm-hmm. we're nothing if not kind of consistent in like finishing something. Yeah. Um, but we watch it a little bit more sporadically, but it is kind of funny. Awesome. She's funny. She is really funny. Like she carries that show. There are, so Anna, whatever her name is from My Girl, isn't it? Oh, the... Do you ever watch My Girl Mm. with like Macaulay Culkin? They're like little kids and they're like besties. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the actress like that had the lead role is in there like all grown up. Shlumsky? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Trying to look her up to see what she looks like. She looks the same as from when she was a kid. Yeah. I don't don't think I ever watched My Girl. Yeah. It's an interesting. I'm a little too old for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, that's another thing that could get y'all out of a dark spot if you want. I don't know. <laughs> it's the it's the dregs of January now. It, it really is. It truly is. Truly, truly. 
Uh, top surgery healing is going great though. Oh, yay. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say, and I'm sure that you can attest to this as well is like, those of you out there that might be listening that either know someone who is a caregiver or like are in that role yourself, like, please find time to take care of yourself. Like, like genuinely find moments to be able to say like, to your person, I am going to do this for myself for mm-hmm. half an hour or like however long you can actually get away and not have to worry about them. Like, mm-hmm. like do that. Don't feel guilty about it. Like it is hard. Yeah. And I don't even feel like what I have to do for Ferris is that intensive. Mm-hmm. Like I could, you know, I think other people would disagree and say that top surgery recovery is a lot. I think that, uh, it's very different from what mine was. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in some ways it's more limiting than my recovery was Mm. in certain ways. Um, I do think part of that is because I was in the hospital for like two weeks right after, Uh like, you know, it's like inpatient. So you're there for a while. So a lot of that stuff is like, you know, you don't have to deal with it. Um, is top surgery outpatient or it's just like overnight, right? No, it's outpatient. Oh my God. I would assume depending on certain people's health conditions, it could be overnight, but no, it was, um, okay. Yeah. Are they healing well or yeah. Yeah. They're healing really well. Um, one thing that we came across that, um, honestly, Ferris wasn't super prepared for, and I don't think the doctors were either is that the ointment they use really, uh, reacted with Ferris's skin poorly. Um, it like, it did like chemical burns. Like they had blisters. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, be aware of that also like, you know, as much as you can, like try not to react with your face, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like to things that you might see. Um, yeah, Yeah, it's, it's surgery. Like it's major. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's major. And, you know, and like the drains are kind of gross, but like, yeah, I think like for, yeah, for anyone that's like giving care, find time for yourself. Even if it's five minutes, you have to take it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, yeah, find that time to care for yourself so that you can like show up as at your best. Yeah, um, I mean, that is the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. Like be your best self. And if you are, if you are worn out and exhausted and at the end of your rope, you're not going to be a good caregiver. So, yeah. And like, as someone who's been in the, in the seat of receiving a lot of care, it is like, I can tell you, it is something that people can be very aware of if you are burnt out and frustrated, like Mm -hmm. it's really hard. And it's also then even harder to accept all of that care because you just start to feel like a burden. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Today's our deep, heavy week. I feel like showgirls somehow got us deep and happy. I don't know. I know. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling about your job search? I do not want to talk about that. Uh, honestly, I think I'm kind of like bringing it to a little bit of a close. I think I'm going to keep kind of trying to figure out just my coaching thing. I, f- I just kind of sort of feel like the universe keeps saying like, no, like you are not, you are not going to get hired anywhere else. <laughs> I mean, you know, in, in AA, we always talk about our higher power giving us all what we can handle. So maybe that's your higher power, whatever saying the universe saying, you know, this is not what's right for me right now. Yeah. The jobs. Yeah. Like, I just think that it's, I think that there is so much that I've always like, I mean, I think you know this well enough about me, but like I am such a creative person and like, I have never given myself the time to do that. And I'm sort of like, I feel like I'm at this like peak of like good shit Mm -hmm. in my head and like the world saying like, give yourself time and like, do this, you know, like figure out this coaching thing, like get it to where you can take care of yourself. And like, yeah, like there, I don't know. It feels very woo and a little weird, but I just sort of kind of continue to feel it. Like there was even, this happened a while back. And I know that I told you about this, but the, the place that was like gonna keep me in track for, um, the position, but then decided they were going to not hire for that position at all. Yeah. And it's just like, 
that is like, if there was ever a sign, that is a pretty fucking big one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, and I think with, um, more unemployment coming your way, you know, vis-a-vis Biden, I think that, um, that'll be helpful. Yeah. Giving, giving you the time. That's one of the, that's one of the great things that I feel like was really, um, a benefit or like a, a blessing of the pandemic for me, you know, I didn't get sick, obviously I didn't lose anybody. So mm-hmm. that, but like the blessing in it has been, was that I had those 10 months of unemployment to like, just recover from being so burnt out. Yeah. You know, like I was super burnt out on fundraising. I went to try to do something else. Pandemic shut it down. And yeah. then it, gave me time to like not feel burnout and now I'm like coming back at it with like a new refreshed kind of energy which feels good yeah yeah, yeah. Well, girl did we do it I think we did it awesome I think we did it uh so we find you yeah so find me at honey Lafleur pdx on the insta that's really where I put all my shit um one thing I keep forgetting to plug is I have a patreon <laughs> So if you want to support my work and just be able to see all the, all of the unedited dance (laughs) stuff, uh, I put it all in there. So it even has like me stopping to pick my wedgies or like pet Quinn and you know, all the good things. Awesome. I love that. Um, yeah. And you can find you at honeylovefloor.com. Oh yeah. For all your coaching, all your empowerment coaching needs. Hey, so good. And again, what about you? JT Noom posting random pictures of heart shapes and selfies of my hairdo and um, occasionally foods I eat. Um, it's so funny. I say I'm a gal about town in Chicago, but really about town means I'm in my house. <laughs> yeah. Because we're sheltering in place. Still, but, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then also at House of Snack Shy, where I infrequently post delicious things to eat. Yay. Um, love you so much. Love you too, baby. Take Have care. Okay. Happy inauguration. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.